BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, my name is Danny Roth, and this is Everyday Animation. It's a podcast where we consume at least one cartoon for every day in the month of April. And then we talk about it. Today, I am joined by the Hugo Award-nominated Lindsay Ellis. Yeah, how's it going, Danny? It's going all right. What a weird, weird thing. Have you gotten... Used to that being a thing that's part of your repertoire now? Well, I was sitting on it for weeks before it got announced. So it was like I had I had time to acclimate. It's pretty sweet now that the, the Hugos are legit again. So it's been a wild week or two or however long it's been. I don't know. I'm very tired. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so you picked you picked something that I did not expect you to pick. What really? Well, actually, before we get into it, what did you expect me to pick? I actually had no idea. I think I assumed Disney. I assumed that somewhere in the Disney oeuvre is where we would wind up. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one of them it was going to be, but I figured one of them. I think I talk about Disney too much for it to like immediately pop to mind. But I I chose uh, the DreamWorks modern masterpiece, uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, starring uh, Reese Witherspoon, Hugh Laurie, Will Arnett, and of course, Seth Rogen as Bob. Yes, Bob the Blob. <laughs> the Blob. Yeah, and and also I don't know who voices the the insect, the giant insect. That's you, Lori. Wait, no, the giant one. Oh, the giant the, one. The giant, the one oh, that's sort of that's the Mothra. Insectosaurus. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. I I think that's just like who a, just makes terrible noises. Like, I want to know. It's probably just like dragging a cinder block across like a big block of ice or something. Great. That's, uh, how, that's how they got the Balrog. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, the Balrog is like it's cinder block against cinder block. Pitched way down. It just occurred to me how much funnier it would have been if Gandalf had been killed by Insectosaurus. <laughs> just replace the bad the Balrog and Lord of the Rings with yeah, yeah, Insectosaurus. Yeah. Fly, you fools! <laughs> uh, and then Insectosaurus flies. Uh, why don't you explain um, your experience when you saw it? Uh, what you what, just like? How did you watch this movie? And I'm going to go grab my computer because I've got all information on it, and I okay. forgot my computer. So, Monsters versus Aliens is. Uh, a story of a young woman who's very eager to get married to Paul Rudd, as anyone who's about to get married to Paul Rudd would be. And he's, you know, he's got a very promising career as a, uh, uh, as, a as a weatherman because they're in like uh, Modesto, uh, but he just got like promoted to Fresno, which is better than Modesto. Uh, and honestly, like that's a joke I really enjoy because anyone who spent any amount of time in Central California knows like how just like painfully lame it is just as like it makes the midwest look cool that is central california and so but then one day a horrible magical rock object uh on her wedding day falls out of the sky and crushes her not to death but instead imbues her with like fantastical strength powers but also makes her 50 feet tall and undesirable to men i uh Wow. There's other stuff in this movie too, I guess. I was going to say, I don't. Well, so, so, so here's the thing is that knowing the direction that the character goes in, I was going to say the thing that I had originally planned to say, which was relatable, but that mm. sounds really insulting and not what I meant. Um, but she does. So, yes, the yeah. plot of the movie is. And then, is of course, largely... you get thrown in with the, the secret government compound with the other monsters, including the, the, the insect man, Dr. Cockroach, 
who's like a, a brain genius, but also a cockroach and also uh, uh, oh, the, the missing link who is played by per- pitch perfect casting Will Arnett uh, and is overcompensating a uh, very living embodiment of toxic masculinity. And, you know, Seth Rogen's Bob, who's just here to f- have fun and insectosaurus who's, who's kind of sensitive. But the story is largely. Um, oh yeah. And there's aliens in it too. <laughs> yes. And then there's aliens. The most, it's really weird because I don't really know what, what the aliens have got to do with anything well they want the the secret power they want her 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 power that she finds repulsive but then realizes is awesome yes and by they i mean he because it's really monsters versus alien yes and the alien is just rain wilson yeah and he i guess he has a bunch of clones but like he's just one guy because he killed his entire civilization (laughs) relatable (laughs) relatable (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so they they change her name because she's not she doesn't get like a nice normal person name. Yeah. When she grows real big, the government designates her as Ginormica. Yes. Which I think is wonderful. I, I think <laughs> your, so. Your monster name is Ginormica. Yeah, but it is. It's kind of you know she's got a regular ordinary life where she's just trying to do her thing and 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 be with the person that she's with and function. Uh, and then her she's life. She's so ready to settle. Yeah, but then she reaches this point where, in, instead of being able to have a regular life, she grows up really large. Uh, and then uh, she's not able to have any privacy whatsoever. So. And also her her boyfriend is completely emasculated by her. Such to the point that he literally says that. <laughs> See, like, I keep, I can't I keep wanting to say relatable, but you <laughs> add things that I can I can't say that to. Yeah, I gotta like... Got to get it in there, but uh, I mean this. This is so. When you said this was the movie, and then I watched the movie, uh, <laughs> I went, oh, because Lindsay's ginormica, yeah. um, because there's no escape. I, I just genuinely enjoy the movie. Like I first saw it like right after it came out when I was in grad school, um, because like for some reason, like you know how like every grad school class has like the the house of dudes, the frat house of dudes. So like, um, and at the frat house of dudes. They loved this movie. They loved getting high and watching Monsters vs. Aliens, which is kind of surprising to me because it's like one of those like not so stealth like <laughs> girl power narratives. Yeah. But they didn't get that. Out of, I mean, which I th- which I thought was interesting because usually, I mean, maybe it was like a more innocent time, two thousand nine. They they didn't necessarily get that, but that that was where I was first introduced. And I think you don't need to like you know have a lot of Twitter followers to empathize with ginormica as like i you know feeling ashamed of something that makes men feel emasculated uh because like like i I was like talking about this just the other day like i know so many women who just actively either have to restrain themselves or navigate around male ego and end up having to like basically make themselves smaller in fear of making their partners feel emasculated. So it's, it's, that's to me, it's like, it's interesting that this movie exists in the form that it does, because I don't think they intentionally set out to make that movie. I think it just ended up that movie because if your main character is the 50 foot woman, it can really only have one <laughs> way it can go. I mean, the, there is one thing that they do, which suggests that they had an inkling which is that they set up a moment wherein there is a, a a boyfriend and girlfriend that are at you know like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like at like like lovers lane or whatever and uh, and who is it that twists their ankle? It's not the girl. It's the, you know they they decided they would just twist it. So all the things mm-hmm. that the, the the girl would normally do in a B horror movie, the guy yeah. does instead. I have mixed feelings about that scene because it's one of those like 
Yeah, it was a subversion of tropes where like the the girl is the one who's getting handsy and the guy's like, I don't know. I, my, my mom wants me back at a certain time and she's like getting frustrated. And it kind of like creeps up to the border of like, you know, male sexual abuse played for laughs. Uh, but then it does it. But it's like, I mean, it's a little in that, you know, because it's like I as much as I enjoy this movie, there's there's a lot there that I kind of there. There are critiques to be made. I think the Stephen Colbert digression is um bad. Well, <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I look at that and I I think that there is I don't want to excuse it, but I do think there is an explanation um which yeah, it's is like they had Stephen Colbert for a day in the sound booth and they're like, "Okay, we got to write a part for him." Well, not only that, but the, I don't think it's just that. I think it's also that in part that even though this movie came out in 2009, uh, it was initially being scripted and, and written and thought of for way before that, and I think as early as 2003. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it in those terms, I think even by the time it was in the can, completely done, I still don't know. It still has that Bush stank on right. it. Right. Like, that's the thing. They're, they were writing a president that was a, pre- was a W president and not a Barack Obama president. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the thing that immediately feels off about that film. Like you go in and by 2009, we know that we don't have a complete idiot shitlord for president anymore. Yeah. Or a guy that actually knows how to speak like a person. <laughs> and so Stephen Colbert doesn't make any sense in that role because he's still playing the character Colbert and not the actual man Colbert. But it's also that it, 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 it's, it's a kind of a digression. It just like, it's like the plot stops. They have this cute, funny little scene and then the plot starts back up again. But I think, I think there's some truth to that, but also like a, an Obama president wouldn't make sense at all in this universe because no. it's, it's so like, it isn't just the, you know, tropes of uh, like, you know, femininity and its place in monsterdom. Like it is, very rooted in like these B movies and of the fifties and sixties. And, uh, and I think like, it's sort of like pastiche in that same way that blazing saddles is it's like affectionate. Um, it's not, I wouldn't even, even call it parody. It's pastiche, uh, but it's knowledgeable pastiche. And I really appreciate that about, um, the fact that it exists at all. And I think that's probably part of why it didn't do that well, because you know, kids don't care about like B movies of the fifties and sixties. It's the kind of movie a Larry Cohen would love. Uh, you know, like, I made the stuff and cue the winged serpent, so I'll go see Monsters vs. Aliens. So if you're that t- type of person, you're going to naturally gravitate. Because, yes, absolutely. I mean, that was the thing that struck me uh, about it as a horror movie fan, is that it's constantly doing nothing but pulling from all of these different films from the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. um, to the point that, you know, I mean, some of it's like so so clear. You've got a fly type character that's the fly movies mm-hmm. of the Vincent Price era clearly not meant to be of the, the Jeff Goldblum era you know it's not body horror yeah it's cute it's fun yeah <laughs> and then Bob the Blob I mean mm. literally again I mean the Blob got remade but it's it's meant to evoke more of that like late 50s early 60s idea of the Blob being frankly kind of goofy yeah it is yeah it, and it is also kind of funny to like look at Will Arnett's missing link character now that like the shape of water has come out. Oh yeah. And, uh, cause I think there's like another thing about like those movies that this movie kind of felt it needed to at least a little bit confront, which is the fact that those movies teensy bit misogynist, just a, what? a scotch, <laughs> you know, just a, a teensy bit like, and particularly with the, the missing link, like making the, uh, um, 
was it like having the record for most teenage girls stolen off of like this beach? Um, which is, you know, obviously that's what those monsters do. They steal white women. Um, but it, but it's interesting now that it's like, we've kind of come full circle that like, you know what, maybe the white women want to be stolen by, by the fish man. There you go. Yeah. We're really, it's mm-hmm. a post modernist post post mm-hmm. post. I don't know how many posts we're up to now, yeah, we're just- but uh, yes, it's weird to think about the fact that uh, if you were to make monsters versus aliens now, yeah, it would have to like uh, lampshade. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be uh, the missing link that fucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you, who? I mean, you I know, mean, we're you know, that time. That's you the whole- know, you know, Doctor Cockroach fucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Cockroach fucks. He already does, he but fucks. that's the thing. He's already. It's already. I think baked into the narrative. Yeah. Whereas- Not that I've checked. But he's as played, there is a, by Hugh there, there's and therefore, a, yes, a modestly sized monsters versus aliens fandom, and Doctor <laughs> Cockroach and Ginormica is real. What? Well, this is the research I didn't do. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. And what a delight! Yeah. Um, I can't. That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, it does. Yeah, he respects her, like um, you know, strength and. She's not intimidated by his brain genius of of bad ideas, and her parents are supportive, and it's great. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like she'd probably be a lot happier because um, her her husband to be that doesn't it's Paul Rudd, right? It's Paul yeah, it's Rudd. Paul Rudd. Um, Paul Rudd's in everything and is how, friends with everybody. But how weird! It is strange to cast Paul Rudd as somebody that's bad. Mm-hmm. That was really mind blowing <laughs> and hard for me to get over. Wait, but Paul Rudd's. But he can Good. be. That's why he's fifty and still looks like he's younger than me, and I am not fifty. But he he's he can be really bland. I think of like you know clueless Paul Rudd, where he's just kind of you know I'm here, I'm inoffensive. No, I love Josh. How dare you? How dare you? I love Josh. I love Josh. Yeah. I mean, uh, we all love Josh, but he's just kind of there. He is. He is. And it was also like a weird time for, it was like before the Renaissance, you know? When the he, Renaissance? Yeah. yeah. Before, well, it was like back in the time when Paul Rudd was just kind of being in movies because he was like buddies with Seth Rogen. And yes. It wasn't, not because like, you know, Hollywood casting agencies are like, gotta get that Paul Rudd on the phone. Yeah. Now they need him. And they got, no. they gots to get them some Paul Rudd. Yeah. Um, but Reese Rudd. Witherspoon, this is, mm-hmm. the, this was the real surprise to me because at this point, um, she's uh like Ginormica, mm-hmm. pretty huge. Yeah, she was like she had she just won her Oscar. She had she had just won it um when this movie was coming out. So she was she could have really done anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what she did was this. Mm-hmm. And what I'm aware of is two things. One, uh, apparently she watched some of these types of movies with her dad when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. And two, she thought my kids will like this. And also, they'll like this, and the message that's in it is something that I don't mind them enjoying. Mm-hmm. Especially for girls. Yeah. Somebody told me once that uh, Reese, Reese Witherspoon is one of those people that you can confidently like. And I think, yeah. that that's, I think that's true. I think yeah. she's one of those rare people that stands the test of time where she's no matter fine. how, how yep. famous <laughs> she is, how long she persists in being famous, Generally, you can still like her solid as a projects, person. You know? At worst, they'll be a little parodic, like Walk the Line, which is, I believe, the thing she actually won the Oscar for. It is. <laughs> it is the thing that she wanted for. You know, she's like, yeah, fine. And like, I, I, I enjoy her a lot in this movie. Like, just some of her line reads, like, I bet there's not a jar, in, not a pickle jar in the world I couldn't open. I'm like, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I often struggle with pickle jars. Yeah. I mean, I need it. <laughs> like, I wonder if a man wrote that line. <laughs> I need a stepladder for a lot of things. So I also understand. I'm doing everything. <laughs> 
I mean, I also feel that like there's there's there, there's that scene where like you know they they send the monster in to uh, g- go after the alien robot and um, they they just immediately bungle it and so she just de facto has to do everything. Yeah, she's discovering her power <laughs> discovering set her power. As, it's, as it's happening, and and all they can say is, "Whoa, you're doing a really great job." <laughs> she's like, "I'm Keep doing, doing that. everything." Yeah. It's gosh, I was trying to think about how. Uh, it would be nice if this movie had done well because then DreamWorks would have been such a different beast. Because mm-hmm. the thing is that... Um, well, there was it, that kind of one-two punch of this and Megamind, which not, both of which underperformed. Um, and Megamind is interesting because honestly, I think it's a better movie than this, you know, top to bottom. But it was also kind of returned to shitty DreamWorks form of selling animated movies off of the back of its stars, which Monsters vs. Aliens didn't really do. Like, it did a little bit. Like, there was, like, that Seth Rogen is Bob. But for them, it wasn't... It was more marketed to kids, and it wasn't so, like, the Shrek poster where it had, like, the celebrity names on it. Um, but, like, that sort of one-two punch, it was, like... It was interesting because it was sort of, like, they tried that, and then they kind of uh, gave up and um, went to, went on with it. Well, I think it, they reached a point where it was kind of largely um, the thing they knew worked was not just actors, but also, and there's, it's an animal thing. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, because Madagascar, Kung Fu Panda, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, is, you know, is still dragons or animals. I'm sorry, dragons. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, like, that's those are the kinds of movies that they were putting out otherwise, and they all performed really great. But yeah. this thing that was ultimately about humans that turned into monsters and also an alien is there, didn't perform well. Well, it was right after B-Movie. <laughs> it was. That is the other thing that's really weird. But that sort of was an outlier. Yeah. Ultimately. I, B-Movie didn't do didn't, didn't do well, did it? Like uh, I can't recall it, it doing very well. It, just, it became a, a, a meme because it's just like, it's one of the, like, why does it exist? Yes. Is anyone doing B, B-Movie for you? Uh No. It's it's too bad. And oh, I thought, I thought about it; it could have been a double feature. Yeah, um, yeah. It's weird because that B movie came out at the same time, roughly as uh, it was like B movie, and wasn't flushed away right after that, yeah. uh, which yeah. is another how did that happen well, movie? The, yeah, it was like the, the Monsters versus Aliens, uh, and um, well, How to Train Your Dragon did really well, but like I feel like they got a little. Uh, I mean, it's weird. It's hard to say because these movies are obviously in production for three, four years. Because DreamWorks, as much as they kind of like would try to snipe Disney, they're not so bad. Like they eventually got supplanted as like the worst. <laughs> I mean, it, they very quickly got supplanted as the worst animation studio in Hollywood by you know. Things like, you know, Illumination and, you know, Blue Sky and Illumination and mostly Illumination, which continues to be the worst. But, like, they did a lot of sequels and, like, you know, it was like Madagascar and Shrek Forever After and Puss in Boots around that time. And it just kind of felt like every time they would return to originality, it wouldn't work anywhere near as well as, like, going back to just sequels of, like, what was it, uh, Rise of the Guardians? Oh, um, the I'm, I'm looking at the list right now. The Croods, which I believe starred Emma Stone. Turbo, which I don't even remember. It's a dog. Oh, no, it's the snail one. Turbo is the oh, one with yeah. the snail, right? Home. Oh, I did watch that. It was another alien movie. I think that one did okay, but like. Yeah. Although, weirdly, the. Starring my, everyone's favorite, Jim Parsons. Isn't Monsters vs. Aliens within a year of Lilo and Stitch? But wasn't Lilo and Stitch. Oh, would, no. Lilo and Stitch was uh, a one. Was it really? Yeah. Oh. Because it was right before 9 11. Oh. <laughs> 
you see. Oh, you know, you know the story about how they like uh, re- they had to reanimate this entire sequence uh, where Stitch gets a gets a hold of a plane and he's like flying around Honolulu and has to like dive between like buildings. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was like in the can, like, and they had to very very quickly reanimate that scene. Yeah, I guess now I'm trying to think about how much citywide violence we deal with in Monsters vs. Aliens. Mm-hmm. I guess not a lot. Not a lot. They go after that bridge. Yeah. And then mostly after that, bridge. it's just like fields and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then everything else kind of happens up on the alien ship. Yep. There's stuff happening up there. Yeah. Blows. She's discovering herself. She's punching through walls. She's going after Rain Wilson. You show that Rain Wilson. That I actually think that that stuff is worse than the Colbert stuff. I don't. The alien thing is totally. I don't get it. Uh-huh. I don't understand him at all. I don't understand what his purpose is. Well, I guess if if you want to be charitable, again, going with the pastiche where it's just like evil for the sake of being evil. Uh, I do really enjoy the scene where he like shares his tragic backstory while he's getting cloned and like huge sections of it are getting cut out so he'd be like well I will explain it to you it all began when shunk shunk and soon we're then after we're oh, married right. <laughs> and then like so they just like cut out because it's like the tragic backstory doesn't matter with characters like that they're just like you know falling in line with the trope of like the evil alien invader although usually evil alien invaders in those old movies either they're very like sort of inhuman or they're like you know rubber forehead aliens that are kind of weirdly sympathetic. So I don't know, like uh, Rain Wilson, Galaxar. I see. That's that's the problem with these movies is like, even now I, even if I say like, well, it wasn't really selling itself off the back of its star power. I still think of that character as Rain Wilson because he's just playing Rain Wilson. Um, So yeah, Galaxar uh, is, feels more like a, a, a extremely poor man's Disney villain than like a real pastiche of a B movie uh, villain. Because I like, I think of someone, a character like um, uh, Brock from this island Earth, you know, where they're kind of like, you know, we've got our reasons for wanting to invade. Yes, may our forehead grow like the mighty oak. Uh, <laughs> do you know it was it was originally the first script was based off of a a stupid, terrible comic book about an idiot that kills monsters. No. Yep. How they get? I wonder how they got to this. Uh, well, I think somewhere along the lines, they realized that the comic that they were basing it off of, what's the word? Sucks. Uh, <laughs> like I went back. This is you know I did a bunch of research for this for a completely different podcast, and uh, and I read uh, at least one of the comics that it, that they were using as a source material, mm-hmm. and it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're it's sort of like uh, almost like. Um, What's that movie where Wolfman's got nards? It's like that one. <laughs> it's like that, except instead of kids, it's a grown-up who's an idiot, mm-hmm. um, which is less forgivable because he's a grown-ass man. Well, it's interesting because DreamWorks is one of like this extremely rare studio that does on occasion, uh, or on fair for animation, like fairly often does adaptations like Shrek was an adaptation. This was an adaptation of sorts, um, or or spec scripts like. Um, uh, like How to Train Your Dragon was an adaptation of sorts. 
uh, very loose, but like, uh, or Megamind was a, was a spec script. And that one was really interesting to me because it was originally written as like this sort of like adult dark comedy um, with like a lot of killing and sex in it. Yeah. And it's terrible. Like you, you, like I read it and it was just like, it's, it's really bad. But uh, I think, yeah, home also the, the, the terrible bad Jim Parsons movie is a, is an adaptation with Rihanna, which with is Rihanna. which is like the greatest tragedy of all. I, I know, can't believe they I made know. something with Rihanna that I don't like. I know. How like, could you? That's the greatest sin of all. Yeah, it was like one of her very few acting roles, and you know she's fine in it. It's kind of one of those like, oh god. We don't, but we don't speak ill of Rihanna. In this no, house. no, no. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> of course not. She's she she gave me my lipstick. I mean, like DreamWorks is always hit or miss, and to me, it's mostly miss um, personally. Uh, but it, it's it feels like. It'll be like these interesting attempts at a at a new Shrek, which is why they do the adaptations and this and the spec scripts. But they've been relying really, really heavily on their um, sequels and prequels or Puss in Boots. And yeah, gosh. Uh, and the other thing that I had almost forgotten about this movie is that it was the first one that they'd made specifically with 3D in mind, hmm. um, which is kind of fascinating because it it. I mean, they have to spend mm-hmm. a considerable amount more, and this didn't really bear out. But mm-hmm. um, it was at a time when I don't think the default was to make everything that's a big major release have a 3D showing. Oh, yeah, because it was right before Avatar came out. Yeah. And Avatar was, of course, And they were the- using, I think, some of the same... There's like some weird thing about technology that was used mm-hmm. on this film in order to be able to do 3D-related things, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was the first one that they did, and to the point uh, that they actually make a shout-out to the very first stereoscopic um, 3D movie ever made, which is House of Wax with Vincent Price. The reason you knew that movie was in 3D is because um, before you go inside of the House of Wax, there's a barker outside, um, and he's got um, paddles. Like, you know the paddle with the the ball on the end? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that um, Monsters vs. Aliens opens with a guy playing with the the exact same toy. Oh, wow. That's a deep cut. It is. That's uh, what happens when you've seen too many movies. You can say, I got that. It's almost like it's your job. Yeah. But that kind of blew me away that that it sort of beat out Avatar. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then 3D is this thing that still perpetuates. like, attempts before Avatar. Because, like, Avatar was designed to be like the most lucrative thing that ever happened on top of like being sold as like, this is the game changer. This is the paradigm shift. This is the thing that's going to put 3d on the map. And I, that was true for a time. Like um, now it feels like, you know, 3d is kind of limping along out of inertia. But yeah, I was going to say, it's weird to think that still almost every major release movie that comes out mm-hmm. of it's, if it's an action adventure yeah. comic book movie, it's guaranteed to still have, 3D showings, yeah. and I genuinely don't understand why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there that much money? Are they have they found a way to to do it that cheaply that the added cost for someone to go to that showing is going to make a difference? You know, we don't even sell 3D TVs. People I think it does because then you anymore. get you get two showings instead of one showing. You know, there would be the 3D showing and the 2D showing. So yeah, actually, well, there you go. Thanks, yeah. Monsters vs. Aliens. You contributed to that nightmare. <laughs> yeah, so fewer fewer movies in theaters and more showings of fewer movies. Yeah, yikes, yikes. Uh, all right, so let's say somebody listened to this podcast, watched Monsters vs. Aliens, despite all the things that we said. We do actually like this movie. I I feel like I've been very positive on okay. this movie. All right, for I feel me. like yeah. All right, yes, that's well. There you go. Ginormica is is my is my bay. Relatable. Uh, so. 
they watched the movie, they liked it. Um, what's another thing that's similar? You're, you're going to say, yeah, say Megamind. Mind. I, I, I mean, like, I, if I wanted to talk about this one just because I think it's like, uh, you know, more interesting from just like the whole like, you know, inspirations it draws from perspective and, you know, like the gender dynamics is like the only time DreamWorks has ever even a little bit gone there. Um, watch, I'm probably, I guess, no, you know, even like the crudes, like I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't think of another, like where, where it, it actually kind of like actively engages with just the gender double standard in the text outside of just like passing jokes. Uh, but like, I think Megamind is just a much better movie. It's just a much more solid movie, which is part of why I think it's like really sad that that one didn't do well. I think it's too similar to Monsters vs. Aliens because that one was... Uh, I always forget that they're different movies. Yeah, Well, it, that one was supposed to be like a Superman send-up, like a Superman pastiche yeah. where Lex Luthor is the bad guy. But the fact that they decided to make Megamind look like, um, you know, a 50s B-movie alien then immediately there's that confusion. And uh, probably, also he's probably the main... Probably some money, frankly. Yeah, well, also he's the main character. Uh, and he had to look different from, like, the Brad Pitt character. Um, so uh, I think, like, the fact that that was, like, a superhero send-up got lost. Um, and it ended up kind of getting mushed in because it was aesthetically, like... Because you know, it's also coming in the shadow of The Incredibles where, like, oh, that right. one is so you know, aesthetically distinct. It like has this really intense look that you can like recognize it from a mile away. And Megamind just kind of looks like a DreamWorks movie. You know, it doesn't look like a, an intentional uh, send up of comic book uh, tropes and stereotypes and Superman in particular. But like, it, it's just like, it's, it's a much stronger movie than this. But like, uh, uh, like I think Monsters versus, versus Aliens is like, it's silly. It's great. If it, It's like the movie you kind of put on and kind of when you're like, You've you've got some edibles on hand, and you've, you're not going to work tomorrow. You know, it's uh, um, and I think it's like it has worthy elements, and I um, you know, it's kind of like the I, I one of those movies where I appreciate the uh, the attempt and can appreciate the parts that are um, you know, unique and worthy, especially in terms of DreamWorks canon, if such things can be said to exist. I can't wait for them to just bring all of these characters together. When they make the Monsters vs. Aliens sequel, also Megamind will be there. <laughs> and, well, there was as a, will Jerry Seinfeld as a B. Well, there was a, um, there, there was a, a short that they did that was actually pretty decent. Um, it was like called, it was like Attack of the Pumpkins. It was like a Halloween tie-in. Oh, see, there you go. Watch. Oh, yes, yes. It's, it's, it, yes, it's the, it's the direct two for one of these. Yeah. They did two of them and one of them was a pumpkin thing. Yeah, and w- one of them was a pumpkin thing and one of them was not very good. There was also a, like a Saturday morning cartoon, which was terrible. Uh, but it wasn't for me. It was for kids, so. Yeah. Well, look, they can't all be Hercules, the Disney afternoon show. I, oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I've been spoiled by Hercules, the animated series, the only good animated series. Wow, ever. Never. Well, I'm glad that you could say that here on the on the animated podcast. The only one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't actually have an animated film to recommend, but I would say that uh, if you wanted to watch some of the stuff that... What about Home starring Jim Parsons? <laughs> starring really, Jim Parsons as Jim Parsons. You really did it. No, I would say um, watch The Horror of Party Beach just because um, it's when they talk about the missing link stealing mm-hmm. girls off mm-hmm. of beaches... Um, they're pretty specifically referencing that movie. Mm-hmm. It is a terrible, terrible movie. The reason you know it's terrible is it's made by Ed Wood. Mm. Uh, and it, I think within the last year or two, it got a re-release by Severin. So it's, you know, they've cleaned it up to look as good as an Ed Wood, Ed, and as good as an Ed Wood movie can look. 
So if you're curious about watching a terrible old B-movie that Edward made about um, a sea creature stealing women off of beaches because you watched Monsters vs. Aliens, which maybe you'd be like that, uh, that sounds like me, so I'm just talking to myself. But check that out. Uh, and that's it. Podcast done. Lindsay, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Lindsay Ellis with an A. There's I'm one of two verified Lindsay Ellis's with an A, <laughs> but uh, I'm the the one with a the in front of it, uh, which is one of my many regrets. Um, also on YouTube, I'm uh, at Shay Apoctube, uh, which is also just my name, and uh, you can find me on PBS Digital Studios. I host a show called It's Lit. Also, I'll see you at the Hugos, everybody. Yeah. Can't wait to lose to AO3. <laughs> Fan and, fiction itself. And then hang out with George R.R. R. Martin? Yeah. I'm gonna, That's yeah. how that works. Yeah, exactly. I, even if I lose, I win. I get to go to get to go to Germ's loser party. Nice. I won't be at that party, but you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my name is Danny Roth. I am at Danny Ordinary. That is Danny with one N, Ordinary, also with one N. Thank you for listening to Everyday Animation. And remember, kids, life is hard. Watch a cartoon. You'll feel better. And we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>